Well, you can take out your bulletin, and in there, there are the notes that you can follow along with us. Or if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Jeremiah chapter 17, and that'll get us uh, kick-started into what we're going to be talking about today. And as Pastor Marshall was saying, thank you for investing into what God is doing here in New Hope, Hilo, Hawaii. And uh, God is doing wonderful things, and, and the people's lives that are being changed, some of us, uh, we uh, grew up here or... We've been at this church for a while, and we've seen God do many wonderful things. And the Bible always says to dwell on the good things. So look at all the good things that God is doing. And as we go through this series, uh, we're going to see God do many wonderful things uh, in our lives. Uh, Coming up, and they said it on the announcements, on June 17th, which is our Father's Day, uh, we're having a, a Father's Day weekend, which we're going to be concluding the series on that day. So I'm excited about this series to see what God is going to do. And uh, two weeks ago, Pastor Aaron Cordero came and he spoke, uh, gave us a wonderful word on how we can be loving as the family and how the family, when we love one another, we become strong and courageous. Uh, Pastor Aaron Pacheco spoke last week and just gave us some ideas on how we could be that team family. You know, when we work together as a team in a family, uh, then all things become a little bit easier for the entire family. Uh, And when we work together, then we become a strong and courageous family. And today, as we talk about growing strong together, I thought about all the books that were written, you know, about family, uh, about parenting, about being a husband or a wife. And I thought, you know, through the generations and through the different seasons of life and throughout our history, those books, although great, continuously change. You know, they'll come out with one book that says, if you want to be the better dad than you were before, buy this book. But then another book comes out that's better than that book, or it's revised, and they say, okay, this book, don't do those things because this book is the right one. And then they would say, if you want to have a better marriage, buy this book. Then we would buy that book. And then they would be outdated after a couple of years because the times have changed. And then they would say, you want to be the better family? Get this book because this book will tell you how to be the best family. Then you buy that book and then times change. Technology changes and it's obsolete. Now you need another book to buy to be the family that you think you can be. And so I thought, we're, we're pouring so much of our resources into these different books. Is there not just one book that we can buy that stands the test of time, that will not change, but will change us? The Bible. B-I-B-L-E. And I thought, let's look at what the Word of God says in how we can be a strong family. How we can grow strong together. Now, in the Bible, it gives us these principles on how we can be this strong family. But if we don't get into the Word of God, then how will we be able to become that strong family that the Bible says we can be? So we're going to learn some things on how we can do that. Some time ago, when I looked at family and and how we could be as a family and and what families go through, I thought every family goes through different, different stages, Now, you may be in one of these stages, and I want you to think this through, okay? I'm going to go through about eight stages, and just think in your mind where you are in your family, okay? Uh, I'll start with the real extreme side of it called very bad shape. So let's start there. Just think, is my family in very bad shape? 
The next one is, we're just in bad shape. That's where we are right now. Or you may say, on this scale, we're okay. Family is doing okay. Or you may say this, surviving. We're surviving. Here's another one, average. We're average. We're, we're, not, we're not doing bad. Well, we're not the greatest, but we're average. Or some of you might say, oh, our family? Oh, we're doing great. Or the best. This is the best it's been. Or you might say, it's the strongest ever. Now, you may look at this scale and say, and one of you might say, oh, we're doing great. Then the other would say, are you kidding me? We're in horrible shape. So it really depends on perspective. But where do you think your family is? Where are you in this thing called family? Now, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes the condition of our family is reflective of my relationship with God. Usually. If my relationship with God is at a place where it's strong, vibrant, flourishing, usually, not all the time, but usually, our families are, stri- are thriving and growing strong. It sometimes reflects our relationship with God. Now think about it. In our families, as parents... We're broken parents raising broken children. Now, I'm not saying something's wrong with our kids, but the fact is we're born sinful people. We have this sinful nature in us. We're born as sinners. That's why the Bible says you must be born again, because when we're born, we're broken. God says, I've given you a way to have a new life. So because we're born already with our sinful nature already broken, he says, here's a way for you to become whole once again, and it's to become a new creation in Christ. Therefore, all the brokenness has passed away. All things are new. He's now making us a new person. And that's what it means to be born again. And if that's the case, that we're broken people raising broken children, then what hope do we have in raising our family? Because if that's the case, then how can we grow strong together as family? Now, if you look at family, if you look at where we are in our families and and where you may be, uh, have you ever been sick as a family together? Like everyone is sick. No one is well. Everyone has the flu. Everyone is sick. Everyone has the fever. Everyone is throwing up. And and it's almost, it almost feels like, okay, it's hopeless because we're all sick. Or you go on a family vacation and you get sick. It's like you, you waste your family vacation. That's what you feel. I was in my hotel three days straight. I couldn't do nothing. And then the whole family becomes sick. Now, when the whole family is sick, it's like somebody has to stand up and do something. When the whole family is sick, everyone has to work together to make sure everything's done. Now, there are some in, in families that, that, and I'm not picking on anyone, I'm just saying that there may be people like this in your family when they're sick, that they whine all the time. That they're like, oh, can you get me this? Oh, oh I, I need soup. Can you get me this? Oh, honey, can you get me this? And, and, and because that's just the way they're wired. Then you have somebody else, don't elbow each other. It's like, that's you, you don't whiner. But then there's somebody else who will step up and then, and they'll be the survivor. 
You know, they, you know, they don't even bathe all day. They're, you know, fevered and oh, freezing, still in their sleep clothes for four days. And they never bathe and shower. But they're freezing. But they're cooking dinner, soup. And they're making things for everybody. They're like the survivor of the family. Heidi is the survivor of our family. She will do that kind of things. I'm not saying I'm the whiner. I'm just saying. <laughs> but she will do whatever it takes. And I thought, that's how families should be. Where we grow strong together. That if one is not doing well, the other picks up. When, when everybody is not doing well, everybody works together to make things happen. We're going to learn from a, a man by the name of Jeremiah. And he was a prophet in Israel. He was a prophet from God who was called at an early age, at about age 20... He was called to let the people know that they were not in obedience with God. He had to let the people know that God is not pleased with their idol worship, with the way they're doing things. In fact, Jeremiah was telling the people that, look, God is saying you're not being obedient to Him. In fact, you're, you're worshiping God how he, was, how he is not supposed to be worshipped. You're going to the temple worship to to worship God, thinking that it's going to protect you from sin. And he's saying, that's not, that's not what worship, worshiping God is all about. You don't worship God so that it protects you from sin. You don't worship God because you did something wrong. You worship Him because He deserves worship. That's what Jeremiah was telling the people. And I thought, it's no different today. I remember when I would come to church, I would come because I did something wrong. You know, I'll do something wrong and I say, oh man, I got to go to church because I did something wrong. I feel guilty. So I got to go to church because then when I go to church, ah, I feel better. Then the next week I'll do something again. Oh, I got to go to church because I did something wrong. Then I, that would be my religious routine. But God was saying, that's not what I want you for. I don't want you to go to church because you did something wrong. I will love you in spite of what you did wrong. So coming to church is not to make things right. It's to learn about God who is righteous. And so Jeremiah was telling the people these things, and, and the people didn't receive it. In fact, they arrested him, they persecuted him, they threw him in a well for him to die. Then the nation of Babylon comes in, captures the people, takes them into exile, but they leave Jeremiah there in Jerusalem. Then as the years go by, his friends, Jeremiah's friends, takes him back to Egypt, where he ends up dying in Egypt. That's where he spent the rest of his life. But while he was in Egypt, it wasn't smooth sailing there either. While he was there, tradition says that he was stoned to death, that they just beat him to death because of his belief in God and the things that he was, that he was saying. Uh, one tradition also says that he was tortured and sawn in two. He was sawed in two. For his belief in God. Jeremiah never married. Because God said, I'm going to use you as an illustration that there would be no celebration in the land of Judah. In this, in, in this nation. Because they're not following me. So Jeremiah, although he went through painful situations, stayed obedient to God. And Jeremiah, even though he went through all of those painful situations, he felt that he could endure the pain for the greater gain later. And that's the story of his life. That's what he wants us to learn is 
is when we go through painful situations, even in our families, and when we say to God, I'm going to endure this pain because there's a greater gain here. Whether it's persevering, whether it's, it's, it's changing our life, whether it's saying to God, I want to do better for you. Whatever, whatever it takes for that greater gain, God is saying, if you do this, then my promises hold true in this. Some of us might be saying, well, you know, in my family, they don't come to church. Only I come to church. Or some of our kids come to church and then the parents don't come or my grandparents or, or only my husband or my wife. Or, and we think, if everybody came to church, then we would be a wonderful family. Everything would be smooth. But that's not true. Because everybody grows differently. Everyone grows differently. Now, it would be great if all of our family members would come to church. But I remember a season in my life where because I was coming to church, I was doing Bible studies, I was reading the Word, I was doing my devotions, that I would tell Heidi, how come you're not reading? You know, let's pray together. We should pray together. And, and, and she would tell me, let's pray together. And, and there were some times where I just didn't want to. And then there were some seasons that we went through. I told her, I said, how come you're not growing like me? How come, you, how come you're, not, you're not doing the things that I do? You know, you should be like me. I remember saying that. And thank God she's not like me. I'd, I'd be dead today. I cannot handle me. And I thought, well, why, why don't we grow together at the same pace? If I'm fruitful in my life, how come your life is not fruitful? And we can actually bring our families down with that kind of mentality. Now, it's great that if we come to church and we can learn from God, that we apply it in our lives. And as the Bible says, be a light so that our families could see it and then glorify God because of our good works. But I used to turn that around. I used to tell them, oh, you know, you need to do this and this. If you did this, then see, then, that, then you'd be better off. But because you're doing this, you're living like this. That's why. Bachi. You know? That's why you're going through this, because you're not, you're not with God. And although sin has consequences, God doesn't punish us for our sin. We have consequences. But it really comes back to not a religious routine that we do. It comes back to our relationship with God. And that's what Jeremiah was trying to broadcast to everyone. That it wasn't about the do's and don'ts. It's, it was about your relationship with God. We had our Easter play this year. And our, our volunteers built this amazing set. And we were taking this set down. And there were a couple of us carrying these, these uh, props down. And some were heavy. And so we were carrying this down. And there was one that was really heavy. And a, a bunch of us came together and we, we carried it down. And it was so much lighter. I felt like I wasn't even doing anything. I was carrying it and I was thinking, look, I'm not even doing anything. I don't, I don't even know why you guys need me. But it was because there were about five of us carrying this one heavy piece of equipment. And I thought, that's the definition of how families should grow together. Not that one person carries all the burdens, but that everybody carries some of the burdens. That each individual carries some weight. Now, I remember thinking, oh, my kids, they don't do anything. They're lazy. But they do carry burdens that we don't know of. Some of our kids, they say, Mom, Dad, how come you don't do this? You should do that. And How come we don't want money? You should get another job. Oh, yeah, so simple. <laughs> Why don't we get a better car? Why don't we get this? But if we all rise up together, then we all carry less of the burden. And then the one who really carries our burdens is Jesus Christ. 
And so growing together as family, yeah, we could say as a strong person, if we're the strong spiritual person in the family, just like carrying the props, if the strongest person said this, you know, you're so weak, we don't need you. We can carry this on our own. Move. They could say that. Because really, they didn't really need me. But together, everyone does better. Now, growing strong together as family is the same principle. Some, as the Bible says, may be more matured or stronger, but it doesn't mean the weaker ones or the ones that are less matured are of no use. It's like mango season. When mango season comes around, oh, I, I, I love it because I'm, I'm ready for pickle mango. I love pickle mango. But when I see the flowers start to bloom, I get ready. Then it blooms, it blossoms, and then the mangoes come up. But then there's other mango trees that didn't bloom yet. And I'm thinking, oh, that mango, that mango tree is not going to have fruit. But then it does. And then it bears fruit. But then everybody picks it when it's still small. I'm like, we should have a law against that. Wait till the mangoes come pretty big when it's green. Then you make pickle mango. I'm just saying. That's all. I'm just saying. But I thought, look, every, every mango tree bears fruit in its season, but at different stages. And so it is in our family. Not everybody matures at the same time. Some will blossom quicker. Some will rise up quicker. Some mature quicker. Some find the Lord quicker. Some take longer. So every fruit is perfect in its season. And as our family grows strong together, and as we understand what that means... Then we begin to see how God brings us together as a family to be that strong and courageous family. Now, Jeremiah gives us a metaphor. He gives us an illustration on how we can be this strong family. And although Jeremiah loved the nation of Judah and the, the, the people of God, he loved God even more. Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 7 through 10. He says it in this way. He says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord, for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart, I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. Jeremiah is giving us an illustration on what it means to be strong. And he says this, he says, look, you're going to be like a, like a river, that, like the stream of water. You're going to be planted by the stream of water. And he says, when you're planted by the stream of water, then you're going to yield fruit. And he says, this is the stream. And if, if this is flowing, he says, then you'll be like this. You'll be a, like a tree planted by the streams of water. And you yield fruit. Your leaves will stay green. And he says, your roots will spread out. And it will go into the stream. And the waters are flowing. So it's not dead, stagnant water. God is alive and living so it's living 
water. That's where we get our nutrients from. It's from God himself in our spiritual walk with him. And he's saying, look, this is where you're going to be. You're going to be planted by the stream of water. And you're not going to die even though you're out here in the desert. Even though there's feverish heat. It's like this cactus. He said, even if you're in the desert, you'll be fine. Because you're not drawing your nourishment from your surroundings or your environment. You're drawing your nourishment from a deeper source. Right by the living waters. So, yep, the feverish heat will come. Drought will come. But you won't be worried. Why? Because you're by a different source. Things will happen in our families. Things will happen in the, wor- in the workplace, in the world. But we won't be anxious. Why? Because we're by the living water. He says, if you stay close by, you'll be fine. And that's what Jeremiah was trying to tell us. That you're blessed when you trust and hope in the Lord. Listen, we grow strong. And, and you can write this in your notes. I grow strong when I put my trust and hope in the Lord. That's when we grow strong, is when we put our trust and hope in the Lord. You can put your trust and hope in other things, but that will soon die. And so will the possibilities in your life. Because you may think, I can, I can do this. But we always come to that dead end. We try to do it on our own, but we always come to the dead end. Jeremiah is saying, no, you put your trust and hope in the Lord, this is what you'll look like. Psalm 31, verse 24, it says, So be strong and courageous, all you who put your hope in the Lord. What the Bible is saying is, i got to do my part. As great as God is, if I don't put my trust and hope in Him, I'm not going to receive anything. It's only when we put our hope and and our trust in the Lord that we can become strong and courageous. That we'll be like a tree planted by the waters. Here's my question. Am I putting... My trust and hope in the way God designed family? Or am I putting my trust and hope in the way the world is designing family? It's, an, it's, it's either this or that. Am I putting my trust in the way God designed family? Or am I putting my trust and hope in the way the world designed family? Because you, it's your choice. You can pick either one. We're trying to redefine family. And God says, it's not how I created families to function. And he says, you got to choose. And it's up to us. But Jeremiah, he tells us this so that we understand that when God plants us somewhere, and when he plants us near him, near his, and in a relationship with him and planted near him, then we understand that we can flourish where we're planted. Because we could look at somebody else and say, you know, I'm not, I'm, not on the, I'm not on the hill. I'm way over here. I'm like way down in the nooks and crannies of all the rocks that are down here. Or you can be, oh, I'm way over here. I don't even have scenery. I can't even see the mountains. I'm all behind all of this. And so I, 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 I wish, I wish my, my spouse looked like that. I wish my, my, my family looked like that. Oh, if we had more of this, if we could do better with that. But God is saying, no, no, no. Flourish where you're planted. Because if it was about the scenery, then might as well go to the top of the mountain and be here. But if there's no water source there, 
You'll look good for a while that you're on the top of the world. But after a while, you die because there's no water source. So it's not really what we look like in the eyes of the world. It's really where we're planted in who God is that causes us to flourish. I know as being a young parent, sometimes you feel that, oh boy, I'm missing out on life. And for Heidi and I, because we were teenage parents, we endured the pain for the greater gain. And you may be in a season where you're feeling like, oh boy, I I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't do this. No, no, no. There's a greater gain. Right now, take care of your family. Because there's a greater gain. Believe me on that one. My, my oldest son is 24 years old. He's married. He has two children, two boys. To me, that's the greatest gain in seeing grandchildren. And grandparents, you understand, when you see your grandchildren, I mean, we can get away with stuff we could not get away with with our own kids. We can spoil them rotten. It's so joyful. It's like the greatest thing. And then my oldest son, he's he just graduating and he's turning 18 this year. So Heidi and I are empty nesters. It's bittersweet. As you can see, you know, going through my emotions, but I'm more on the exciting side because of the pain that we went through. But there's a greater gain that God says is coming up. So you may be at a place right now, you're thinking, oh boy, you know, I I didn't plan this. I didn't know this was going to happen. Here's where we are. But God is saying, just flourish where you're planted. Dig deep into my word. And persevere through what, right now, what feels like pain. Endure that pain for the greater gain. Because when you receive this greater gain, you'll look back on this so-called painful situation, it'll be minute compared to the promise that God has ahead. He says, but you got to be rooted. Romans fifteen thirteen says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, guys, we can't do this on our own. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. But it's only when we trust in Him, who is the source of hope, that we'll have this confident hope through the person of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the confident hope that He gives to us. See, we grow strong when we put our trust and hope in the Lord. But not only that, I grow strong when my life is rooted in God's Word. And you can write that in your second point, where my life is rooted in God's Word. That's the part that we do. We, we do our part to be rooted in His Word. And I've made the mistake, and I still, I'm still learning on this, that sometimes I'll, I'll neglect what God is saying and then receive the consequences and then get deeper into His Word. When I should be already deep in His Word, and then when the feverish heat comes, I'll be able to endure and persevere. Rather than use His Word to fix, I'll use His Word to continue. Fix says, I'm not in the race right now, I'm at a pit stop. But if I'm rooted in His Word, then He gives me fuel for the laps ahead. He says, be rooted in my word. Now, Jeremiah speaks of the value of the root system being spread out to grab nourishment from this living water. 
And I thought, why would Jeremiah use this metaphor? Well, for one thing, they lived in the desert, in the Middle East. So water was, it was, it was a prized possession. If you had water, if you, had a, if you could dig a well and you had water, you became rich. And so Jeremiah is speaking in that environment of, listen guys, this is what your life would look like if you were, if you were with God. You would be a blessed person. If you trust and hope in the Lord, you'd be like this tree planted by these streams of water. And I thought, there's another place in the Bible that speaks of that. And I'm wondering if Jeremiah got inspired by this prayer book. In fact, the second temple when it was built in Jerusalem, they brought in this prayer book because one of the kings had, had gone through certain things in his life and he started writing these things down and he was a poet. And this prayer book is known as none other, none other than the book of Psalms. And the priest would read the book of Psalms as their prayer book. Jeremiah was one of the priests. And in Psalm chapter 1, it starts out this way. Psalms 1, verses 1 through 3. And it kind of says the same thing that Jeremiah did. It says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, But his delight, and let's read this part together, ready, go, is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. He prospers. It's not just about reading And getting into the Word of God, but it's about applying the Word of God, obeying and doing what the Lord says. In the book of Revelation, Jesus addresses the church in Philadelphia. And Philadelphia was a church in the ancient city of Lydia, which was a province in the western uh, Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey today. And he says this in Revelation 3.8, I know all the things you do. And he's speaking to the church. I know all the things you do. And I have opened a door for you that no one can close. You have little strength. But he says this. Yet you obeyed my word and did not deny me. We may have little strength. But if we stay obedient to him and not deny him. He'll always be there with us. We can can always derive strength from him. Because we're in obedience to Him. And He's saying, when your roots are spread out and it's, it's going into this water source, this hopeful source, you can endure anything. Because your endurance is built on me, not your surrounding or the ways of the world. It says, bless, blessed be the man. How blessed is the man. We will suffer much in our lives. Jeremiah states that, and he lived through it. He experienced what it meant to live a difficult life, but he also understood what a blessed life was all about. And I thought, wow, Jeremiah, you went through these painful situations, and still you felt that you could live this blessed life? That even though there may be a season where there's, there's a... a a wave of heat, a heat wave that comes across, you'll still be able to be fruitful? He says, yep, just be planted by the streams of water. Trust and hope in the Lord. Be rooted in His Word. It continues in Revelation 3.10. He says, because you have obeyed my command to persevere, 
I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. Now, if God is able to protect you from the great time of testing, which will come upon the world, tell me he cannot protect you and your family when we go through testing times. He promises that. Many of us have gone through the test and have seen God protect us from great time of testing. And our families have become stronger because of that. He strengthened our relationships. Sometimes we go through a painful situation and then we throw in the towel and God is saying, No, no, no. Don't throw pain away. Endure the sting of pain to receive the greater gain. Endure this. Persevere through it. Be rooted in my word because you'll be nourished through that painful situation. Some of our greatest growing times as a family were through painful situations. A mistake someone made, a loss of a loved one, a, 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 a situation that, that, uh, that Heidi and I had to deal with, a conflict that we had to resolve, financial difficulties. And sometimes we say, throw in the towel. No, no don't throw it in the towel. Use it to wipe the sweat to keep going. It may be a painful situation now, but there's a greater gain later. But that's only for those who have chosen to persevere, being rooted in His Word. Many of us have uh, food uh, allergens. We are, we're allergic to certain foods. Some of you are, are allergic to uh, you know, peanuts. Some of you are allergic to chocolate pudding. Some of you are allergic to you know, seafood or certain things like that, and you're allergic. But sometimes, like when you're craving it, you don't care. You say to yourself, I'm just going to eat them. I'm going to take the hit. And then you eat, oh, it's so good. Mm, then afterwards, you break out in hives. All itchy. But you endure the pain for that greater gain later. I don't know what it is, but you just endure it. And we are allergic to certain foods because of certain things that are happening in our bodies. And we can't eat certain things. Now, there's a, there's a, a, a battle going on, a, a little controversy going on because, because of GMOs or genetically modified organisms and different foods that are being genetically modified. And, and this is what is happening, that they'll genetically modify certain fruits or vegetables or certain foods so that it can withstand certain diseases, certain pesticides, certain bugs, so that the crops, when they grow, they'll grow without harm. So they'll genetically modify its DNA, genetically modify its, the, the organics of it, and so they'll do that. But when we eat these foods, they say that what happens is, it, because it's a genetically modified organism, that our bodies weren't created to take in these GMOs. So we have an allergic reaction. And what, actually, what, what takes place is, is our bodies, because it wasn't created to receive these foreign things, it sees it as not nutrients, but as others. And so it attacks. But it can also attack itself. So our bodies, when they have these different things inside of us, begin to not just attack whatever it is, but it can attack itself because it's trying to figure out, okay, what is happening? Now, I thought, if we have allergic reactions because of these things, and, you know, I'm not a scientist or a biologist, so I don't know for sure, but I do know this. It's saying something about how we were created. Now, if that's happening to us physically, 
I wonder what's happening to us spiritually when we genetically modify God's Word. What happens to my spirit when I take the Word of God and I say, Oh, I like this. Oh, this one is good. Yep, your testimonies are true, sure. Holiness adores your house. Oh, Lord, forever. Okay, I'll take that. I'll live that. Oh, you are the lifter of my soul. Oh, I give that. And then God says, okay, this is what you're doing. This is a no-no. Oops, I'll I'll cross that out. I'll take my pen. I'll cross that out. I don't like that one. Okay, I don't like that one. Oh, this one is good. Oh, it's for me. This is really good because I can prosper. I like that one. Oh, this one I don't like. Oh, I ripped that out. And then we cut out what we don't want in the Bible. Then after a while, yeah, the Bible is holy because it's filled with holes. That's what we think, and, and it's, it's, it's chunked out, and so we only receive what we want, and it's genetically modified. Our spirits react to, to genetically modified words of God. Because God says it's in its entirety that you receive my word. It's not take one, take care, take that, take this. You either be hot or cold. It's your choice. But if you start taking pieces... Now you're genetically modifying my word. And so now our spirits react to this. God says, this is how you're supposed to be in your family. We say, ooh, I don't know if I want to be like that. How about like this? And he says, then, then there's going to be an attack that comes. And so now you're dealing with this attack, and you can even attack your own family because of it. God says, it's a result of genetically modifying my word. But if you live my word, you'll be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. You'll yield fruit in its season. Your leaf will not wither. It's our choice. Be rooted in the word of God. Get into the word of God. And I grow strong when I put my trust and hope in him. I grow strong when I'm rooted in his word. And then the last thing, I grow strong when my heart belongs to him. Does your heart belong to God? Does it belong to Him? Or does it belong to something else? When it comes to family, what occupies your heart? Do we think of ourselves first? Do we think of God first? Do we think of our spouse first? Do we think of ourselves in a, in a selfish kind of way first? Do we put work first? Where is our heart? Because there are many things that are important in our lives But there's nothing that strengthens us how we should be strengthened apart from God. That's why God says, love me with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I need all of your heart. Where is our heart when it comes to family? Now, if God God is saying, I need your whole heart, your entire heart, and if it's true that when God is first in our lives, that we become this, this strong and courageous family, what about my spouse? I mean, what about time with my spouse or my children? And then I also need time for, well, work. I have to work. And then what if I'm involved in ministry? Now, we'll look at this and we'll say, okay, put God first, your spouse second, children, then work, then ministry. And and although that's true, it's not in chronological order. Because if that's the case, then we'll say, okay, put God first, go church one and a half hour a week, spend time with my spouse, I don't know, six hours a week. This is, I'm just throwing out numbers, okay, so don't get offended. Like, six hours, that's all. Or some of you are saying, six hours, I wish I had six hours. 
uh, children, uh, whatever you may be, a day, maybe 15 minutes. This is actually scary because on average, we spend less than a minute in normal conversation with our children every day. On average. Normal conversation, not, did you do this? Did you do that? Did you do this? Did you clean up this, clean up that? That's not normal conversation. That's got to do. But normal conversation and, hey, so how was it yesterday? How are you doing? And, and just talking story. And yeah, you might get the, oh, good. Anything else? No, it was good. Okay. So now work, you may be at 50 hours a week. Or ministry, maybe you serve three hours a week. So God is saying, look, time is not really the factor. It's, do I have your entire heart in every area? If I'm spending time with my spouse and I'm loving my spouse how Christ said to love her, then I'm putting God first in my marriage. If I'm, if I'm raising my children how God said for me to raise my children, I'm putting God first in the lives of my children. If I'm, if I'm at work and I'm serving with excellence at work and trying to please God at work and doing everything possible to, to flourish at work and to, to grow the company, then I'm putting God first in my work. When I'm in ministry, if I'm serving God with all my heart, not for me, but for, for God, then I'm putting God first in the ministry. He says, this is what I want. I want your entire heart in all of this so that I'm first place. Because there's not really a, a, a punch-in card that would say, oh, I'm putting God first. Look how much time I spent with Him. He's saying, no, you love me with all your heart in every area of your life. That's what it means to put God first. And when we do that, then we understand that, wait a minute, if God has my entire heart then no matter what I'm going through, He'll help me through. And because He has my whole heart, then I'm going to flourish in every single area of my life. Because He has my heart. My heart belongs to Him. Here's a way for us to know that our heart belongs to the Lord. I know my heart belongs to Him when He's first place in it. If it's first place in my spouse's life, first place with my children, first place at work, first place in ministry, is he first place? It's an indication if he's first place in my heart. That's why Psalm 28, 7, it says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices and, my, and with my song, I will praise him. Yeah, see, when my heart belongs to the Lord, I make whatever adjustments that need to be made along the way in the life of my family and relationship with God. I make whatever adjustments that need to be made because God is first place in my heart. I've given Him my heart. And so if I need to adjust my time here and there, if I need to pour more efforts here, or if God is saying, you know, you're neglecting certain things here, then He's first place in my heart. Therefore, I'm going to obey Him and do what He's calling me to do. Even though it may be a painful situation, do whatever it takes to put God first. That's the whole message Jeremiah was giving. He says, yeah, you're not following God right now, but if you turn back to Him and give up all these things, your idol worship, how you believe in God, you turn towards Him, you give Him all your heart, yeah, it's going to be a painful transition, but endure the pain for the greater gain. It's coming up. That's the promise of God. 
When my heart belongs to the Lord, I make the right adjustments in my family and life. I make the right adjustments in my attitude or in my time. I make those adjustments. Some of us in our health, we got to make those adjustments for God. Our families benefit from it. Our finances, we make the proper adjustments there. Our priorities, we adjust those things. And he says, when you're doing that, when your heart trusts in me, I'll help you. That's what the psalmist was saying. My heart trusted in him and I am helped. Because this can happen in Psalm 76, 26, uh, 73, 26. It says, my heart, my health may fail. My health may fail. My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak. Here's, here's the promise and let's read this part together. Ready? Go. But God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. That's the promise of God. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. Yes, our health may fail. Our spirit can grow weak. When I put my trust and hope in the Lord, rooted in His Word, giving my heart to Him, God remains the strength of my heart forever. You apply this, stay rooted in His Word, trust in Him, give Him your entire heart, you will see your entire family grow stronger together. And when we apply the Word of God, not genetically modify it, but we apply the Word of God, then the result is that we're fruitful. We yield its fruit in its season. Our leaves will not wither. But in whatever we do, we prosper. We become a strong and courageous family that God promised us to be. That's His promise from His Word that we should never modify. You close your Bibles and let's pray together and you can put away your notes. Let's bow our heads and let's pray and thank God for just who He is. Lord, we do. We thank You for showing us Your Word that as we apply Your Word we'll be like that tree firmly planted by streams of living water that as we put our trust and hope in You that you will bring the help we need. And we all need you, Lord. We don't want to forget that first time we met you. I pray for everyone today that they, that we all would understand what it means to give our hearts to you. That in doing so, and as we trust in you, and as we persevere, you're the one that carries our burdens and helps us to persevere through the painful situations for that greater gain. And so we give you our hearts today, Lord. Thank you for being a great God, a God who loves us unconditionally, a God who allows us to flourish where we're planted, that you're the one who gives us the nutrients necessary for our spirits to grow in you. And as we do, we'll be able to grow strong together as family. And so we thank you for including us in your family. In your name we pray, and we all said, Amen. Can we thank God this morning? Lord, we thank you for being a good God.